Welcome to the Macca's Run with Sam Hargraves for Macca's, Juicy Angus Beef and the lot. Dine in and try the Aussie Angus at Macca's today. Uh, very good evening and welcome to the Macca's Run, a recap of the major news stories from the world of sport across the day. Sam Hargraves with you, one 736 is the number to call to have your say on the news of the day. And it's great to have you on board and there's plenty on the menu today. Get tonight's dinner sorted at your local Macca's drive through That's for your dinner menu. For your sporting news menu, plenty to talk about. Tasmania officially are all chips in on a new stadium. We'll hear about that in just a moment. FIFA and UEFA finally get a backbone when it comes to how they deal with Russia. The Danny Frawley Centre for Health and Wellbeing is officially complete and ready to open its doors to the public. Uh, and the sale of Marble Stadium tickets for the opening five rounds of the AFL men's season has been delayed by two hours today after an issue with Ticketmaster System left members and fans absolutely fuming. And you've been calling and texting in to the station uh, today wondering why this keeps happening. So if you've had an experience that you wanted to share today, 0433 off the temper text. Temper is a mattress like no other, or you can call 1300 736 736. Plenty more on the agenda. It's been Melbourne Store Membership Day today, so we've had Craig Bellamy speaking to breakfast today. We've had Christian Welsh speaking to Jared Waitley. We've had Justin Rodsky uh, speaking to Dwayne Russell. Uh, I'm going to be speaking to Steve Kearney uh, in the Sporting Capital at 7.30 tonight. Uh, back at the club last year as an assistant coach, uh, Jesse Bromwich was on with the boys uh, the run home with Andy and Gazy earlier on. So make sure you ride the storm with us in 2022. Visit melbournestorm.com.au. Uh, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. the number to call to have your say on the news of the day. Anything that you wanted to comment on in the world of sport, uh, this is the forum for you. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 736 Tasmanian Premier Peter Gutwin has spoken today and officially um, put it on record that they propose to build a new stadium in Hobart if they get granted the 19th licence to join the AFL. Uh, Peter Gutwin has said, a southern stadium supports the aspirations for Tasmania, securing its own AFL team, and will also be able to host rectangular sporting codes that will support ongoing discussions about an A-League team. So, 27,000-seat arena at Regatta Point, ready to go by 2027. Uh, $750 million project, but would only go ahead likely if the 18 AFL clubs decide to accept a Tasmanian team into the competition. Um, presidents of all the AFL clubs are going to meet later this month to make a call uh, and then to set the date for the vote to happen in, we believe, about August. So Peter Gutwin said a Southern Stadium supports the aspirations. I've just read that one out. The stadium will put Tasmania on the national and international stage for both sporting and entertainment events on a scale that hasn't been possible in the past. He said the stadium will include a retractable roof for all weather playing and the performances and performances, making it one of the only two such AFL venues in the country. He said that Blundstone Arena would remain the home of cricket with all forms, including tests being played there, with the option for larger stadium to be used when capacity becomes an issue. He said there would be approximately a two-year time frame for planning, approvals and contracting, and a further three years for construction, meaning that the new stadium would be ready for the 2027 season. So that's caused a whole lot of conversations uh, on the over the, uh, over the course of the day on SEN today. Let's start uh, with Gerard Waitley earlier on this morning, uh, who spoke about the fact that Tasmania wouldn't get a team without a new stadium. 
so it will now marry up with when would the stadium be built and ready to open. You wouldn't start a new team without the pop of the stadium. So yep. to read what's coming out of Tassie today, that's 2027 on the tightest runway. You might say 2028 okay. as uh, to, to give yourself a buffer. And do you think by then they'll be the 19th licence? Yes. You do? Yeah. So I, I can't see... I sort of feel like we've lived through enough of rationalising the competition is just not practical. So the first blowback of the, even the suggestion that a team might take a joint venture with Tasmania, it's too divisive. It it sort of runs counter to how the whole competition is conceived and then how it's sort of pitched into the hearts of people. So I don't think we will lose a team. And I I suspect we won't lose a team in my time covering the game. So the only way is then to add. To deny Tasmania this would now be chronically short-sighted and actually quite mean-spirited. Tassie will build it and the AFL must come. Hopefully by the time the vote is taken later this year it's a unanimous showing in what the future of the AFL should be. A wholehearted recommendation from the AFL Commission and 18 presidents looking to the future looking to the horizon looking to the devil's den at regatta points. What, what's the best way to spend the money? I think spending it in Tasmania, setting up a team, the government has committed to fund it per year into eternity, and it's now going to build yep. a stadium. I think the benefits of that uh, will be, as well as goodwill, I think over time they will be tangible. I think they will have a better imprint than the two previous expansion clubs who have gone to regions for totally different reasons to grow the game. Jerry Whateley today, his views on uh, well what the stadium would mean and what the ta- a team in Tasmania would mean to the competition uh, as well. And we've been hearing for a long time that participation rates in Tassie are on the steady decline, uh, that footy just doesn't hold uh, the place that maybe it once did. Um, in the hearts and minds of, of people in Tasmania. So what this would mean for the game in that state, which has given so much to the game, is it would be almost immeasurable. Um, and it's a great point made about that this isn't expansion into new frontiers. This is trying to save the game in, in a traditional football state, which should not be lost and, and should not be dismissed either. Uh, Jerry Waitley, Nathan Buckley, who's going to be with Jared at 9am every Tuesday with Mondays for three hours with Gary Lyon on SEN Breakfast. Uh, they spoke about and they were asked the question, is there enough talent in the country to sustain 20 teams? The, the talent for 20 teams, Bucks. So this is our Indigenous yes. game. Mm. I've always found that argument self-defeating. Well, there's not really enough talent for 18 teams. Well, surely there. If there's, if that was true, I don't believe it's true. But if it was true, that that would be our focus, wouldn't it? Is as the Indigenous game that holds such a place, there should be enough players for 20 lists. Well, there's there's a there's a few layers in that. So as coming out of clubland, the concern is now that the provision for the programs for this group of players that we're talking about, club by club. Um, we still have so we have two thirds of the coaches or two thirds of the staff from three years ago at the end of t- 2019 that are servicing the same amount of players. So the ratio of coaches or staff to players is a lot lower, or sorry, a lot higher really. So, so there's more players to to service. Um, the money for programs has dropped. 
Um, so the quality of provision on any measure is less than it was three years ago. That doesn't mean it's probably more efficient and it will build and develop. I've got no doubt it'll come back around because you always find a way, but it is the provision is simply not at the level that it was three years ago. Has, is, that a, is that going to affect the quality of the on-field product? Now, I don't know. The practice games that I witnessed on the weekend were not that riveting. Like I, and, and the football, it's interesting. There are plenty of stories we can get from it, but the actual football itself, now are we seeing the, the, the best attributes of our most talented players come to the fore? Um, is the product engaging um, the community? And, and I'd suggest that, 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 that the jury is, is still out on that. We is still in on that. We need to, we need more time and we need to, yeah, we're, we're going to, I'm going to be looking really closely at the quality of football this year and, and has it actually regressed with the effects of COVID and the and football departments coming back? So that was Jerry Waitley and Nathan Buckley today. Buck, speaking about the right here, right now, with uh, the talent pool, is it big enough for 20 teams? But also going down the road that with the cuts to footy departments, um, they're not able to develop the talent as well as they would like. So that's an issue for the right here, right now. Buck then spoke about what he'd like to see in regards to list sizes in the future. And this was all off the back of, uh, is there enough talent uh, to sustain 19, 20 teams in the competition and what it looks like moving forward? When we're talking about player lists, I think player lists are too are too high. Where, where do you? Th- I, I think there's just too many players in the competition yep. at the moment. Yep. I think we can do with um, just servicing a senior team. Now that might be with 35 players rather than with uh, 46, 47. So that was Nathan Buckley earlier today speaking to Jerry Waitley. SEN.com.au to hear the full podcast. So Bucks had reservations yesterday about um, about a Tasmanian team coming in and especially coming in too soon um, given and not believing that it was uh, feasible and financially viable right here, right now. And he spoke a bit more today about the funding in the AFL. How does the funding of, say, an AFLW competition go? If, if the game itself now... And the profit and loss didn't look great in, in 20, uh, yeah, 21, 22 or 20, 2021 financial year. Um, and we understand that, um, that funding becomes important to facilitate growth, to facilitate innovation. Um, and I think we've actually gone backwards. The football departments have been cut in a, by a third. Um, a mate of mine, Brenton Sanderson, who is no longer a coach after having a great deal of experience, senior coach, assistant coach, um, I think he won't mind me saying, but he, he was paid less in his last year of coaching in 2021 than he was in his first year of assistant coaching out of playing uh, 12 years or 15 years earlier. Um, there is there are realities with that. So what happens with the – is there enough money to go around as the AFLW competition wants to be expanded and and even arguments for equal pay and equal, equal um, conditions? So Nathan Buckley talking about the funding uh, in regards to the AFL, where it goes and, and how it's spent. Uh, and that's in the right here, right now. And Bucks yesterday saying that over the long term, he absolutely believes that Tasmania deserve to get uh, their own team. But when that happens is is – 
crucial. And Jared pointed out today that just like any budget, um, you allocate money for different areas. So, you know, when people have the argument is don't spend money on the MCG, spend it on a hospital, there, there is money allocated for hospitals. This is a different pool of money going to these particular places. And that would be the same in the AFL when it comes to Tasmania. Um, how, the, how you spend your money that you do have, uh, of course, is the, the big question. And that's all in regards to the government governance uh, of the game. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. So with the news yesterday, Sam Edmund spoke, speaking about that most, a lot of the clubs are looking very favourably at Tasmania now. He's expecting the vote would go their way. The AFL is very, very um, enthusiastic about getting this happening. And now with Tasmania saying, well, we're going to put a new stadium that would seem like that is one of the biggest hurdles that they needed to overcome. With that being announced today, that that would happen, um, likely um, based on if they get the go-ahead, but they are all in. So would you now, and where do you sit now on Tasmania coming in 2027 when that stadium's expecting to be finished, or, or 2028? one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 736 Rodney Eade, proud Tasmanian, uh, multiple Hawthorne Premiership player. He spoke to Dwayne Russell earlier today. Oh, I think it'd be fantastic. I, I, knew, I knew a while ago when the task force were getting their report together and um, I had a lunch in Melbourne with quite a few uh, Tasmanian XAFL players and uh, they mentioned about maybe there might be plans of having a new stadium uh, down at the Macquarie Point there or about a point. Um, which I think would be fantastic because it beef other events and especially if it's got a roof on it. But um, I think it, uh, I think the fact that government are prepared to commit to that, they must have had a little bit of inkling. And maybe it's a, maybe it's a goer. And also I saw was it your article too that they've changed the voting on the mm. presidents now they only need six, which I found interesting as well. So I think it's all looking in a favourable position that uh, Tassie have got the green light, which I think will be fantastic. But I think they do need a new stadium. I think. Um, Aurora Stadium up north is a great stadium. They're expanding on that, which they need to because it does get very windy. I don't think Bell Reeves really up to it, uh, to be honest, um, as a as an AFL national game uh, ground. So I think having this new ground would be would be fantastic. I reckon. Yeah, I think even if they base themselves in Hobart, they'd they'd have to play some games in Launceston because uh, there's a quite a big footy catchment, Launceston in the northwest coast, which is obviously there the great deal of Bulldogs from, and some great players have come from up there. So, I think uh, they'd have to um, play some games in Launceston, uh, which I think would be great as well. But uh, they have the main stadium, obviously in Hobart, that'll be the the centre of it. Um, yeah, I I just hope that the northern people would get behind a a state team, uh, a team that's uh, in the national competition. Mm. I'd liken it a bit to the Green Bay Packers, um, where they didn't get the the big corporations like they did in other NFL teams, but a, a lot of little businesses all around. Because it's a very small town, Green Bay, yep. as we know, and uh, for them to be able to compete, not only compete but thrive in it, I think they could. I think it's a pretty good model to follow for Tasmania to have a lot of different uh, sponsorships from. Uh, a lot of smaller companies and, uh, and different people, and I think it could survive. There's, I think, the national um, brand as well that'd be appealing. The government back it. There's a lot of expats on the mainland, so I think uh, I think it'd be a lot of members as well.
Rod and you with Dwayne Russell earlier today, and that's uh, speaking about there having to play games in Launceston, which I think is a smart move. People often talk about the rivalry, uh, Hobart Launceston. It was addressed in the Carter report um, that it's not an issue. It, it doesn't have the same venom to it that it maybe once did. For some, it might still hold very true, but by and large, the state of Tasmania are in lockstep with this. They are unified in, in wanting to get their team. It's a great point he makes about Green Bay. For those who say that financially it's just not sustainable, the Tasmanian government are going to put eight million bucks. Well, they put in eight million combined to Hawthorne and North Melbourne, roughly. So there's a fairly substantial amount of money straight away. Um, and if Green Bay, with a population of 114 or 100, you know, about 104,000, their population is, have won Super Bowls, widely regarded as one of the most well-run organisations in the NFL. If they can survive in the NFL, multi, multi, multi-billion dollar. Um, multi-multi-billion dollar organisation competition, probably the most, that in the Premier League, probably the most expensive competitions in world sport, then surely Tassie, with a population of, what is it, 400, 400 plus thousand, can survive uh, in the AFL. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 736 Let's get to, we've just got a, Tony and East Bentley stay there. We've just got a little issue with the phone that we're going to correct. Um, off the text, 100% Tassie should have their side. Plenty of time to make sure the transition is as smooth as possible and other clubs and talent pool are affected as little as possible. Be fantastic to have a side there finally. Uh, Alex, though, off the text says, what a waste of money. 0433981116. Uh, the temper text line, temper, a mattress like no other. Uh, so one three hundred seven three six seven three six. And I've got a question for you. If, if you're in Tasmania listening, if um, even if you're not, Given that uh, 2027 or 2028 looking like when this would all occur in terms of the team starting in the AFL, because it's it's looking, you don't want to say it's a done deal, but it's looking very, very good at this stage. Peter Gutwin spoke about the fact that Alistair Clarkson is working through the matters raised in the Carter report ahead of a final position being put to the AFL commission and the club presidents. Um, Alistair Clarkson, he said they're wrapped to have him assisting with their bid. Who's the first coach? So is it as simple as to say it's Clarko, or is it a Dave Noble who's at North Melbourne at the moment? Is it Chris Fagan? These guys are, are legends of, of Tassie footy. And I wonder who their first captain, who's the big first marquee player? Jack Rewalt is probably going to be beyond him, given where he's at in his career. But if you know your Tassie footy and you're looking at current playing lists going, who's our big local marquee signing? Who's going to come back and be our first captain? It won't be made up straight away of a lot of Tassie players because it just won't happen like that. But do you know automatically who it is that's going to be, the, who should be the first captain in 2027? Who should be the first coach of that Tassie team? Can we... Can we look at it like that? Can we get a little bit excited and, and start to, you know, throw some hypothesis around? one three hundred seven three six seven three six. This is the Macca's Run. Your say on the news of the day. We'll take your calls after this. one three hundred seven three six seven three six to have your say on the news of the day. You can text in 0433981116. Make sure you get tonight's dinner sorted at your local Macca's drive-through. A couple of nominations come up the text about who would be the big marquee recruit. If Tassie are to come in in 2027, 2028, looking likely now, uh, Premier Gutwin uh, chips all in, announcing that uh, it would probably be dependent on whether they get the go-ahead from the AFL. But uh, they are committed to building 
that $750 million stadium, 27,000 uh, 27, seats. So it's all looking likely at this stage. Touchwood, don't want to get ahead of ourselves, but who would be the marquee signing? Who would be the coach? Uh, Taron Thomas's name coming through off the text, and I really like that. I, I think he's set to have a breakout year this year, Taron Thomas. I'm a big fan. Uh, I think he's got huge, huge upside. Uh, 47 games, 43 goals. I think he can play just about anywhere on the ground, but he's a North Launceston lad. Um, uh, he was born in New South Wales, but he grew up in, in Launceston and was drafted through uh, through Tasmanian system, through the Tassie system. Uh, he's a very, very good nomination uh, as, a, as the marquee signing. Someone's saying Ben Brown. I reckon Ben Brown uh, in six years' time, it would be about 35, 36. I don't know if he'd be the one. Uh, but you'll say one Tony and East Bentley. G'day, Tony. G'day, Sam. I'm just catching up with your news on the great success story that Tassie will have an AFL side. Looking likely, isn't it? I was it? just very much so, and it's a big tick. I was just wondering if the Victorian football punter is going to pay for it, because I went to book my tickets today through AFL. It's cost $9.90 per match as a booking fee. Pre-COVID, it was five fifty, which is a 55% increase. And inflation's been at 12%. I'd like Gil to confirm that we are subsidising the building down there, which I've got no trouble with. Uh, if we've got to put a $4... Given it's the government who have, who have announced it, not, not Gil, that they're building a stadium. There was a ticket freeze. There was a price freeze on tickets. So is that just is that through Ticketmaster or Ticket Tech, Tony, that you've gone to do that? Ticketmaster. I, I, I had to do Ticketmaster today. I missed out on the Collingwood game because uh, too many people applied from Collingwood. So, you know, as a Saints supporter, I miss out on a home match. Oh, but, that's not great. you know, 55% booking fee increase over two years and we've got 8% inflation. Does that, who does that go to, though, we, Tony? That doesn't, that, that's the, that, isn't that the booking system? Isn't that Ticketmaster that, that, that charge that booking fee? I don't think that goes to the AFL, does it? I could be wrong. Yes, it does, because the, the AFL give them the contract and would take a slice on the way through, and I just hope it goes to building the Tassie Stadium and getting the Tassie Stadium established mm. and the team. I might check that out, where that booking... We might try and check that out, where that booking fee goes. I've got Sammy at the back uh, um, uh, having a look at that at the moment, Tony. So you're, you're, you're all in. You're very much two thumbs up. Absolutely, let's get going. Team in Tassie. Sam, as a former Tasmanian, it is a massive tick. Don't worry about the parochialism from the north and the south. Yep. If there's two games in the north to keep UTAS going, tick. And a practice match through the community series, tick. They will travel down there to Hobart to see the big sides like the Collingwood Carlton's, for sure, and will pack it out within a moment of minutes when the tickets go on sale. Perfect. Love it, Tony. Always great to chat to you, mate. Thank you for the call. Cheers. Uh, 1-300-736-736. Off the text, um, I've got a left field one for the 20th team. I'm on the North Shore in Sydney. A Central Coast North Sydney team would be very, very, very well followed here. North Shore Bombers Bombers have 12 teams. That's from Mark from St. Ives. um, Mark, I I love that there's a passion for the game uh, in the Central Coast and in Northern Sydney, but I, I reckon that if 
the new the 20th team was going to be anywhere you would think that it would be uh, in Darwin and if not then I, I would I would imagine they'd look for a third team in the west uh, but that's just me on that one Lockie and Darwin saying 2028 Tassie 2030 Darwin off the text um, could they smash the stadium out quicker they could dual host the 2026 Com Games with Melbourne and lead into the Tassie side the year after. Well, that Com Games bid for 2026 is going to be actually to to and and, and the the um the hot, the feature of that bid is that they'll look to host those events in the regional areas of Victoria. So it wouldn't actually be a Melbourne Commonwealth Games bid; it's a Victorian regional Victorian Commonwealth Games bid, as is my understanding. Uh, 0433 98 11 16 1 300 736 736 uh, off the text Kane says hey Sam I think he means I'm an AFL member we pay 600 a year and have to pay an extra 990 to get a reserve seat each week on top of the 600 it's a bit of a joke uh, I'm just trying to find out where that goes if that's actually the AFL charging you that or Ticketmaster my hunch would be that if it's through the booking system of Ticketmaster or Ticketek then that's something that they charge but again I, I'm, I'm not an expert on that and you guys would be better placed to, to tell me given that um, I'm very lucky that I, I get my accreditation to commentate. Uh, it's a no-brainer for a Tassie Devils team in 2027 with Alistair Clarkson as the inaugural coach. Then in 2028, the NT Salties making the 20th AFL team. Build it, they will come. Retractable roof with sexy scoreboards. The lot, Francis Burke end and the Baldock end. Also, update Launceston Stadium. Oh, Dean, you've, you've taken us into a... a Brilliant place there. I can't see a stadium being built, though, that if it was going to be naming the Edens, one of them wouldn't be the Hudson end. Um, that's another great one you can throw up. Give us the stand, you know, who are the stands being named after down there in, in Tassie at this stadium? That's a great one from Dean, 0433 98 11 16. These are some of the, the players that are currently playing in the AFL from Tassie. So Chase Jones is at Adelaide. He was a top 10 pick the same year, Taron Thomas. Um, he's 22 years of age, so you'd think they'd go hunting for him if he's still in the system. Uh, Mitch Robinson at 32. Uh, love you, Mitch, but I don't think you'll be still going when this team comes in. Jeremy Howe at 31. That's a, a stretch. Brody Mycheck at 29, probably a stretch. Isaac Chug is 20 years of age. Um, Alex Pierce is 26. He could be an interesting one at, at 31. Uh, Jake Collar-Jasney would be absolutely in the wheelhouse at 26. Hugh Greenwood at 29. I, I think it might be uh, a bridge too far there. Lockie Weller is 26 at the Gold Coast Suns. Jay Lockhart's 26. Ben Brown's 29. And Aaron Hall, 31. So you couldn't probably see that happening for them. Matt McGuinness is 21. Taron Thomas, 21. Patrick Walker is 19. Samuel Banks is 18. Toby Nankervis is 27. Jack Rewalt's 33. Ryan Mansell at the Tigers is 21. Jimmy Webster, 28 uh, at the Saints. Robbie Fox is 28. And Ryan Gardner uh, is 24. So that's just some of the names that are playing uh, at the moment. We're going to change tack um, and have, a, uh, have an update on some of the other news uh, of the day. one 736 736 Sammy's just saying here that tickets purchased on the site may be subject to a per-order handling fee. This covers the cost of operating an information service and internet site and the processing of tickets. Handling fees vary depending on the event and are agreed between the relevant event partner and Ticketmaster. So where do we think that money goes, Sammy? He's got his hands in the air. But that's what we've seen from the from the website. So we'll keep digging on that one. Now, get tonight's dinner sorted at your local Macca's drive through More Macca's run coming up uh, after this. Welcome back to the Macca's Run. Sam Edmund uh, was uh, updating us this morning on FIFA and UEFA's decision uh, and about face from them, especially FIFA, uh, when it came to how they were going to deal uh, with Russia. 
because it's breaking news as of just an hour or a couple of hours ago. It concerns FIFA and Russia. So a day after FIFA came under worldwide fire for their lack of definitive action, they were allowing Russia to compete in neutral colours in neutral countries. They've now been shamed into a, a dramatic U-turn, announcing just an hour or so ago that Russia have been banned, kicked out of this year's World Cup the biggest sporting event in the world in uh, Qatar later on this year in November. They've also uh, excluded all Russian club teams from all FIFA and UEFA sanctioned competitions until further notice. So this is a massive development when it comes to, I guess, sports reaction to what's going on with Russia and Ukraine as well. The IOC are urging all Russian athletes and officials to be excluded from global competitions as well. The International Olympic Committee, we know the Formula One Grand Prix has been taken out of Russia. The Champions League final has been taken out of the country as well. But this is a seismic development this one. Sam Eben today updating us on FIFA and UEFA's decision to suspend the Russian national team and Russian clubs from all competitions until further notice. Originally FIFA had just said that they would do the same thing to Russia that the IOC had done to them uh, as a punishment uh, for their state-run doping um, scheme. Removing the, uh, the, the name from the Russian team, not allowing the anthem, not allowing to play home games uh, in Russia in the lead-up to the World Cup. Uh, this was the voice of football in this country's thoughts. Simon Hill uh, spoke to SEN today. Um, I think the reaction globally to the announcement yesterday that uh, they were going to continue to play, but just not on their own turf and you know, under a different name, different banner, I don't think that went far enough for the global community. Now, you know, if you want to play devil's advocate, you could argue that we've had wars before. Um, and, you know, the likes of the USA, uh, Britain, its constituent parts, even Australia, you know, we're, we're part of the coalition of the willing when uh, there was a war against Iraq. But this this obviously is, is something a little bit different. And um, I think most people around the globe think that this is the right action, albeit it's it's come 24 hours too late. But, you know, I guess this speaks volumes as well as to the difficulties of the relationships between football and these countries, particularly when there's, you know, huge amounts of money involved. Mm. I'm, I'm not saying that's right, by the way. Uh, I just think it's reality. And the fact that Gianni Infantino, of course, uh, appears to have quite a, a close relationship with Vladimir Putin. I think he actually gave him an award on the back of the 2018 World Cup that was held in Russia. And he was asked quite pointedly by a UK journalist last week, was he going to hand that back? Um, and he managed to talk around that issue for about two minutes. So, you know, uh, unfortunately, I think big sporting organisations are sometimes either a bit slow to read the room or, you know, they're, they're too busy worrying about uh, the sponsors and the money um, that prop up their sports. And... Uh, this appears to be one of those examples. But anyway, they've got there, albeit a day too late. Simon Hill, the voice of football in Australia on SEN today. Phil Lutton in the age road. It's taken a, bra- a brazen, violent, brutal invasion for world sport to finally lose patience with Russia, a nation that has thumbed its nose with such reliable regularity at clean sport and fair play. There simply had to be collateral damage. It is unfair as it is unavoidable. And now what other sports will follow suit when it comes to uh, Russian players and Russian teams uh, in whatever sport it might be uh, around the world, whatever organisations that are running that particular sport. So the big decisions that they will have to make uh, as well. one three hundred seven three six seven three six zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. 0433 this was um, uh, Dr. Ben Robbins today speaking to Gary and Tim. Um, the opening today, um, an emotional day at the St Kilda Football Club as the Danny Frawley Centre uh, was opened up. 
uh, the Danny Frawley Centre for the first time uh, opened its doors this morning uh, and there was a, a contingent on hand to um, mark that incredible occasion. So the, the famous number two is going to be hung in the Danny, Fra- Danny Frawley Centre. The story on AFL.com about Spud having pestered Matt Finnis for a long time about opening a facility to support mental health. His dream has been realised. Um, he sold a message to those that could fund it. The article says, while well, Finnis chased the checks, now his legacy will live on at a place he called home uh, for more than a decade. So uh, an emotional but very, very special day uh, at the St Kilda Football Club today. Matt Finnis said, I think Danny would be pretty up and about today, Finnis said. Uh, he said he would have loved getting around people. He would have loved that by creating the bricks and mortar, we're locked in. This is not a fad. This is not something that is going to be a trend, which St Kilda will support for a few years. This holds our club accountable. It instills us into the roots that we will support our people and our community holistically. I think that Danny would recognise that, that and be proud and tickled pink by that. Um, Matt Finnis has overseen the, the some widespread change uh, to St Kilda since he arrived. Um, this was uh, Dr Ben Robbins uh, speaking to Gary and Tim earlier today. Yeah, well, it is. I mean, it's changed a fair bit from uh, certainly my playing days, and I can imagine you guys as well, um, where you know, going to work with a psychologist would indicate you've you know you've got problems. Whereas we take a different approach a different view of it now and as society's evolved with their views, you know, this is just another area to improve. Um, we can only get so strong in the gym. We can only practice our drop punts so many times. You know, in, in the, in, in the AFL at the moment, where the biggest gains are to be made is decision-making in-game. You know, what we ask of our players, the demands, the cognitive demands on them, are, you know, it's a brutal game mentally to play. So we want to give them a framework and some tools that they can use in the game to make the best decisions possible, as well as, obviously, the other component of this is their off-field uh, mental health and well-being, which is you know, a priority for us. Dr. Ben Robbins speaking to Gary and Tim on SEN Breakfast early this morning, sen.com.au, to hear the full chat about how mental health care has changed at footy clubs. Uh, the establishment of the Danny Frawley Centre for Health and Wellbeing. It's, it's thought to be the the first of its kind in elite world sport and, and would hopefully be a trendsetter, not just in Australian sport, not just in AFL, but um, maybe around the country and other sports as well. Matt Finnis said, we think the idea of wrapping mental health and physical health together with the social connection which Danny stood for and which football has the power to bring people together to really unite them is something we haven't seen done anywhere in the world. If we get that right, we can make a difference. He said, I think the great thing about this facility is it will allow us to support our players past and present better than any other club it is also ensuring our community has access to facilities and programs and services they wouldn't have before in a place where it is okay to come and get some support that's what is unique about the Frawley Centre and we think the impact can be game changing um, 1300-736-736 uh, plenty more making news uh, throughout the course of the day um, Nick Natanui uh, has spoken today about the abundance of critics riding off the West Coast Eagles season. Um, Carolyn Wilson has said they've had the won the award for the worst preseason by far. Um, a lot of people putting a line through West Coast when it comes to their top eights this year and who are their finals contenders. Nick Natanui's spoken at a club press conference today about the critics riding them off. I think it's understandable when you have a massive loss like that in a preseason game, uh, albeit there was no points up for grabs. Um, people were entitled to have their opinion, and everyone has their their bets and their tips and, and whatnot for you know what they think might eventuate throughout the season. And 
everyone's entitled to have that as well. It's what makes football a beautiful thing. So, um, yeah, write us off if, if you please. But I know internally we're all excited. We're all ready to go and we're excited to, to prove some of those people wrong. So, um, yeah, it happens every year. People, you know, tip teams to be top four, bottom four to win a grand final. And that's all part of the fun of football. So um, I know we're working pretty hard on things. And, yeah, um, it wasn't the best, I guess, uh, result last Friday, but uh, it's all learning. We get another chance this Sunday and then, and then the following week before round one actually kicks off. Nick Natanui, club presser earlier today. He also uh, addressed the, the Jack Darling situation. Uh, reports that uh, he's pretty much gone off the grid. Um, the deadline has passed for him needing to be vaccinated and where that all stands, Nick Natanui gave his view. Yeah, still pretty unsure and unclear with where that's all at. Um, I think Dom probably summed it up really well last week in saying, we're there to support him as a mate, as a brother. Um, and, you know, he's he's going through what he's going through. And, and we're always there for a chat if, if need be. But, um, yeah, it's tough, like you said, having a few injuries and having a few tools out at the moment. Um, you know, he's the perfect fit to be there. But I respect, um, you know, Jack as a, as a man and as a brother. And, yeah, as like I said, I'll always be there for him um, if he needs someone to, to talk to. Yeah, I think the, the reality, the current reality is that we do have a lot of injuries. It's something that oh, I know I've never seen. Um, throughout my career here at the club. And um, I think the calibre of, of people that are out too, but that's the nature of football clubs. Um, you have events that, you know, affect you throughout the year. And, you know, we've had things like COVID, we've had to travel uh, and, you know, having injuries, just another part that happens with it as well. We've faced this before, maybe not to this extent, but um, yeah, the next soldier steps up, I guess now we're blooding a lot more youth um, and they'll get a few more games, uh, especially the early parts of the year. And uh, fingers crossed we get a lot of those boys back. Um, you know, over the course of the year. Nick Natanui on Jack Darling and their injury toll. It makes the Jack Darling situation even more harder to stomach, I reckon, for those players when they desperately need whoever is available, especially for players that are in their top 10, to have a teammate choosing not to be there. Uh, I would imagine that would be even harder to accept given that they are really in a bad way uh, in the injury stakes and the season hasn't even started yet, uh, the West Coast Eagles. one 736 Steve Smith's just done a press-up from Pakistan. We're going to hear a little bit of that. And it's been Melbourne Storm Membership Day today. Ride the storm with us in 2022. Visit melbournestorm.com.au for memberships. All the info is there. We've got a couple of people texting in regards to the details of the membership push melbournestorm.com.au for all your membership inquiries. We'll hear some of the chats that have happened across the course of the day. Steve Kearney to join me at 7.30 on the Sporting Capital. This is the Macca's Run. It's obviously my first time playing here, so getting accustomed to the conditions is, is really important. And... Um, yeah, having the ability to adapt to, to whatever we're facing out in the middle. So, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to training today. It's the first session back for me facing fast bowling. I've um, obviously recovering from my concussion. I've, I've faced some sidearm and some spinners. So I have the opportunity to face some, some fast bowlers today, which I'm looking forward to. And, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to the next three days of, of uh, prep before we get started on Friday. Steve Smith, uh, the press conference earlier today, uh, Aussie team in Pakistan, first test, 4th of March. You'll hear it all on SEN and the SEN app. He also spoke about uh, the death threat that Ashton Agar had received. It had been investigated and dismissed as a a non-threat, but certainly still pretty scary, I'd imagine, as it was sent to Ashton Agar's wife. Uh, This was Steve Smith. You know, we're we're aware of social media and um, 
you know the unfortunate events that can occur on on platforms across um, across social media. So um, you know we've got a lot of people here working with us. We trust our security and everyone involved, and we're feeling incredibly safe here in Pakistan. And um, yeah, we'll be guided uh, by our security that and the people that we trust around us. Steve Smith, uh, don't forget that first test, March 4th, Australia, Pakistan, the first of three, first time we've been there since 1998. And there's some great stories coming about the last time, and we're reminiscing on the last time uh, Australia were there, and even tours that have uh, gone before that. Jared Waitley uh, today uh, had a fascinating chat um, with former test cricketer Gavin Stevens on the 1959-1960 tour of India and Pakistan, sen.com.au to hear that full chat. Ian Healy's been speaking about it uh, on SEN in Brisbane today and he was there when uh, Mark Taylor, of course, equaled Don Bradman's 334. That was back in 1998 and all the stories around that. Gav Robertson's been speaking. You can find all this at sen.com.au. Hey, big story breaking uh, in the age. Um, Sam McClure and Peter Ryan are reporting that, uh, I'm just going to read it straight from the article here, uh, that Dave Daisy Pierce is being lured by Geelong to be an assistant coach for the men's team, working under the mentorship of Chris Scott. Um, they say that yeah, she's expected to retire at the season's end, but is yet to make an announcement about her future, has been approached by several clubs for a coaching position. And a source with knowledge of the situation confirmed the Cats are in advanced discussions to secure her services in season 2022, which is this year. The Age can also reveal that after an extensive process, Essendon offered Pierce the position of being the club's inaugural AFLW coach. The Bombers confirmed that Pierce, after much consideration, turned that offer down. And now looking likely, according to this article, um, that she will be there to help Chris Scott chase the Cats' first premiership since 2011. That's part of the AFL's accelerated coaching program, which is designed to fast-track female coaches so that's really exciting news i mean anyone that watches um daisy pierce on channel seven or listens to her on sen knows that she is one of the most astute footy minds uh, especially when it comes to the expert analysis during broadcasts of games of footy uh, her playing track record speaks for itself um yeah, she's an out-and-out -out star uh, on the field and, and off it in terms of the way that she uh, evaluates the game and analyses uh, the game. Alicia Eva um, is going down that pathway. She's uh, an assistant coach, a development coach with the men's team. We've seen Peter Searle do it with St Kilda, who end up being um, uh, the St Kilda's inaugural AFLW coach. In the NBA, Becky Hammond's been a long-time, uh, was a long-time assistant of one of the greatest coaches of all time, Greg Popovich, and she's now um, taking the helm of the uh, Las Vegas Aces in the WNBA. So this is a really exciting news. Um, and well done to Geelong. Um, and a great story. Uh, the age have got that at the moment. Peter Ryan and Sam McClure. Ride the storm with Melbourne Storm in 2022. Visit melbournestorm.com.au. Steve Kearney's going to join me at 7.30 uh, on the Sporting Capital. Kyle Adnam's going to be with me uh, after 8 o'clock as well. Big happy birthday to Lee Matthews, 70 years of age today. He retired in 85. I was born in 81. I never really got to see him play. Um, and even though I haven't seen him play, I've gone back and looked. And for mine, he's the greatest player to ever play, but just not the greatest player I've ever seen. Uh, but happy birthday to Lee Matthews, 70 years of age. Um, I'm going to try and get to the bottom of an Instagram post I saw today. There's a golf club in Queensland that apparently, because of the floods, has sharks swimming in the dam on the 14th hole. We're going to get to the bottom of that as well. But stick around for the Sporting Capital. It's next.